You're listening to the Gate Charlotte Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. I've got a lot to get through, and I don't think that I'm going to be able to get through all of it, so this may end up being a two-parter. Oh, man. Feels good in here. It's really good in here. I, uh, do I have enough time? It's okay. I'll save it for later. I'll save it for later. I just, I, I've, I feel like just start calling people out and prophesying over them, but, oh, you know what? I think I may start with that. I think I may start with that. Yeah. Okay. Could you guys just pray? Like close your eyes, bow your heads, pray. Holy Spirit, we just invite your presence. You haven't left, but just as a sign of humility, I just ask for your presence, Lord. I ask for your empowering grace. Yeah. Uh, Alex Parkinson, can you stand up real quick? Could you guys kind of point your hands towards him? Dude, I've saw you all morning during where I didn't even know you were here. I turned around and I saw you. Um, and this is a simple word, but I feel there's some power behind it. The Lord's saying that the, the latter years will be greater than the former years. And I see profound financial resources that are being poured out. I actually see liquid gold being poured over your head right now, that there is almost kind of like a, a King Midas anointing that is going to come upon you. I feel like even things that are in your life right now, books that you have written, everything is, you're going to see a profound increase in sales to, to provide for the vision and the mission that the Lord's laid on your heart. Also prophesy over your wife. I don't think she's here right now, but I just, I bless her as well that this also applies to her. And I see uh, new doors opening in Africa. I see new doors opening in Asia. And I see doors opening in Europe for you guys specifically. I, I hear the Lord, I hear bagpipes being played. And I believe that it's you guys are going to Scotland sometime soon. So, Lord, I just bless them. I bless them with open doors. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Never done that before. That was cool. <laughs> I've never done the whole like, Point people. I've never done the whole Sean Bowles thing, but uh, this is a lot of fun. Should have done this before. Oh man, highly recommended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Micah, stand up. Micah, could you guys put your hands towards him as well? Micah, Micah. The last two weeks have been the most profound experiences in the presence of the Lord that I have had in a very long time. And I feel like the Lord has unstopped a plug in you. I, I feel like there, was, there wasn't the ability to drain in the sense of like release things that you were carrying. And I saw an angel pull a plug out of a drain and there was a release. And then that release became, there was freedom. And I feel when I look at you, it's almost like you're a child up here playing in the presence of the Lord. And I just, I hear overwhelming joy over you. The Lord's releasing overwhelming joy over you. Joy will be the foundation of your family. Joy will be the testimony of your family. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. 
we'll uh, fill in a little bit more. That's it for right now. Um, I want to talk to you guys about um, revival. And it is a topic that I have I've never actually talked about before. I've touched on it, but I've never actually dove into it before. Um, I want to talk to you guys about four keys um, for igniting and sustaining personal revival. Um, I'm a bit of a revival nut in terms of history. I read everything I can get my hands on when it comes to revival history. Um, but there was a, there was a particular moment um, earlier this week when Ashley and I got new bookshelves, and that's like it's Christmas for me. And so we got new bookshelves. And so I got to go through all of my old books and put them up in their, their bookshelves again. And I stumbled upon a book that I hadn't read in forever. Um, and it was a book on um, the Brownsville Revival. And I took this book and I held it. And as I looked at it, I began to weep. And um, the thought hit me. Um, how many of you guys know who Steve Hill is from back in the, the Brownsville Revival days? Um, I, I heard his voice in my heart. It was a weird kind of encounter with the Lord where I picked up the book and I heard his voice in my heart saying, men and women have given their lives to see revival. And it's happened. And I, I, the revelation that the Lord gave me is that it always starts with one person. Every significant outpouring of the Holy Spirit, every significant revival that we can point to has always started with one person. Not just revival, but reformation and renaissance as well. All three of them have always started with one significant person. You can find like a, an epicenter of revelation of the Lord that sparks these things. So Martin Luther, um, Steve Hill, um, John Wimber, Lonnie Frisbee, all these people the Lord has used and highlighted to ignite revival at specific times in history. And now I feel a weight talking about revival um, because it is so important to me. Um, revival history is so important to me. I, um, I've seen a lot of people talk about revival um, and it's a, it's a precious term. Revival is a very precious term. It's a very precious description for something that's happening. And I've grew up in a, in a specific denomination and movement who would slab revival on the side of their wall, and it was nothing. Like, someone should have told the Holy Spirit that there was revival at this church. <laughs> so revival is something that I cherish, and I, I believe that there are outpourings of the Holy Spirit, sovereign outpourings of the Holy Spirit that happen in local bodies and in regions, but there's also ignition and sustaining personal revival. Revival always happens here before it happens here. I want to give you guys four keys, and I'm going to have to breeze through these because I, I still feel like Holy Spirit ministry time later. Am I all right? Are you guys all right with me just sticking to my notes and giving you guys some stuff? Okay, cool. Um, let's go to Psalm chapter 91, verse 1. Psalm chapter 91, verse 1. I'll read it. This is my all-time favorite verse. I memorized this verse when I was six years old in a children's ministry class. I want to get it tattooed on my body at some point. Uh, he who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. 
He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The first key to igniting and sustaining personal revival is the key of secret devotion. And I believe this is what Jesus is talking about in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, but when he says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Um, a secret life with God, a secret life of devotion with God is the most important aspect of the Christian life that I feel so often we breeze through. Um, and anything that I say, please don't take this critically. This is me just processing thoughts. Um, I've seen people pack out stadiums for, for conferences on signs, wonders, and miracles. We have packed out stadiums for conferences on healing and prophetic ministry. And in and, and my 29 years, I'll be 30 in April, in my 29 years of life, I have yet to experience one conference on developing a secret life with the Lord. And in fact, sometimes when we're in church services like we are now and the, the topic of developing a secret life with the Lord comes up, the reaction is usually the same reaction as when a pastor starts talking about money. It's, a, it's an eye roll, it's a soft agreement, but then there's the desire to move on to something else that's more important. And I want you to hear me out that every single person that God has ever used to do anything in this world, the, the, the defining moment or the foundation for all of those men and women has been a secret life of devotion to God. It is the most important aspect to build all other things on top of. Um, gifts of the Spirit, anointings, graces can be imparted. We're going to talk about impartation in a minute. Gifts, graces, anointings, everything can be imparted through the laying on of hands, but a secret life with God cannot be imparted. I, I can't come up and lay hands on you and impart my history to the Lord with you. The, the tenderness that comes from being in the presence of the Lord, the, the ability to hear his voice, to hear the whisper, all of that is developed in the secret place. This, this verse is so important to me because, let me break it down just for a minute. I, I didn't want to necessarily get into teaching, but I'm going to have to get into teaching. Um, it says, he who dwells, and he who dwells is an invitation to everybody in this room. Dwelling is so much more than a visitation. It's a habitation. Dwelling is choosing to root myself somewhere in the Lord, but also believing that he wants me there and that he won't leave. Dwelling with the Lord is rooting myself somewhere while also believing that he wants me there and that he won't leave. How often have you prayed, being honest, how often have you prayed, you flipped over to the, the chapter in Psalms where David says, take not your Holy Spirit from me. It's a good Psalm, but you're under a completely different covenant. It's a good Psalm, completely different covenant. God can no more divorce himself from you than he can rend the 100% man and 100% flesh that is, 100% man, 100% spirit that is Jesus. The divinity, the hypostatic union, what we talk about in theology. 
It's an invitation to everyone in this room. And in the secret places where we meet with God. I've read this verse my whole life. Like I said earlier, I read this verse the first time when I was seven years old and memorized this verse. But it was not until this year that I noticed something very specific about this verse. And that is that it says, of the most high. He who dwells in the secret place of the most high. We don't have to develop. We don't have to build a secret place. We're invited into his. All the weight and responsibility is, is taken off of your shoulders. You're invited into his secret place. In fact, this is continued on with the next verse where it says, you'll dwell under his wings. You'll dwell under the shadow of his wings. That's where the secret place is. So he who dwells in the secret place shall abide. His presence is the reward for your sacrifice. And it's even a funny th thought to think of the secret place as being a sacrifice. You're with him. I remember when I was um, younger, um, when I was a kid, and, and the Lord first started speaking to me about the secret place. I was 15. And when I was 15, um, I was obsessed with video games. Like I would, I just, from the time I woke up to the time I went to sleep, it was all Call of Duty and Madden and all these games and stuff. And it hit me one day that I expressed frustration when I went to go turn off my PlayStation to go spend some time in prayer, to go spend some time alone with him. And as I'm walking down the hallway to my room, it hit me. Did I just express frustration that I get to go spend time with Jesus? Did I just express frustration that he is inviting me to be alone with him? Did I express frustration and anger that I get to tune everything out, everything that makes me anxious, everything that makes me depressed? I am invited to go to a place to be alone with him, to hear the whisper of his voice. And that frustrated me. Talk about a total rewiring of my understanding of what it meant to spend time with Jesus. I entered then into a phase where it's all I wanted to do. Once you have that revelation of it's not a sacrifice to go and spend time with the Lord. It's actually my delight. Like it's, it's like that moment. You guys know when you uh, first started dating somebody? And it's like you're in that honeymoon phase of the relationship where it's like you can be in the middle of work and then you get a text message and you drop everything to go back and respond to that person. Or when it comes time to you're, you're actually going on a date and your mom and dad can say anything and everything, but you know this is the person that you want to be with for the rest of your life. It's that kind of awareness of intimacy with the Lord. It's that kind of awareness. That's the revelation of the secret place that he wants to release. So that's the first key. The first key is the key of the secret life with the Lord. Um, second key is the key of continuous infilling. And we experienced this yesterday, or sun last Sunday, not yesterday. I experienced it yesterday. Probably released it over you guys too. The key of continuous infilling. The key of continuous infilling. Um, Acts chapter four, verses 23 through 31. 
It's one of my favorite portions of scripture. It says, On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the people's plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Then Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with greater boldness. I love that line so much. The thing that we just got tore up over give us more power to go out and do that exact same thing again. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Um, When I first read this, the Lord gave me a thought of, Have I been baptized in power and am I being baptized in power? Because I had been taught my whole life that the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the infilling of the Holy Spirit was a one and done thing. So when I was eight years old, that was the only experience of the infilling of the Holy Spirit that I was ever going to have in my life. And in fact, in the circles that I used to run in and and old denominations and stuff like that, they still fight over this stuff all the time. Is it a one and done thing or is it a continual thing? And my argument is that there's like maybe five infillings of the Holy Spirit throughout Acts. And there's people that are mentioned in every single one of them that have always been infilled in every single account. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is not a one and done thing. The infilling of the Holy Spirit is meant to be a continual experience. It's a continual thing. Um, How many of you guys were here last week? Show of hands. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, How many of you guys had no idea what was going on on Sunday? Like you had just... (laughs) How many of you guys had never heard of impartation before? Just raise your hand if that's you. Okay, we got one, two, three, four. Okay. Um, I want to talk just for a few minutes about impartation and explain what happened. Because um, I wish somebody would have explained it to me the first time it happened to me. Because all I remember is Randy Clark laying hands on me and then waking up 45 minutes later. Um, John, Tiffany, me, and AJ just got back from California last week. We went to um, Reading to be a part of uh, healing and impartation school. And um, Randy said something that um, if I would have said it, probably would have got me in a lot of trouble. Um, so I'm not saying it, Randy is. I'm just quoting him just for future, future reference. And the, the thought that he shared was, have you received your prayer language or have you received power? Because there are a lot of people who receive their, power, their prayer language, but they haven't been baptized in power. And I began reflecting on this in my own experience and people that I know and the churches that I was raised in. And I knew a lot of people who could speak in tongues but had never laid hands on the sick to see him healed. I knew a lot of people who could speak in tongues but they had never prophesied. I knew a lot of people who had spoken in tongues but they had never seen someone delivered from a demonic entity or demonic presence. 
So there's, there's a disconnect here between receiving your prayer language and being baptized in power. Um, and baptism of the Holy Spirit, that's what Luke, uh, when he wrote Luke and Acts, that's what he calls it, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Um, other writers call it the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Um, there's different language for it throughout Scripture, but the baptism of the Holy Spirit is a, baptism, is a baptism into the power and authority of God. It is an infilling or a bubbling up of the Holy Spirit in your life, um, and it comes in two ways. And this is where a lot of argument has also happened throughout church history. Do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit through tarrying, which is just an old English word for waiting? Or do you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit through impartation or someone laying hands on you? Um, personally, I believe it's both. Because um, I've seen both. Um, I, I'm not discrediting the experience of experience. Um, I've, I've seen both. I've seen people baptized in the Holy Spirit before where they will shake violently and cry, but then they'll stand up and prophesy over people and not want to speak in tongues, but then later on get their prayer language. Crazy things happen in the Holy Spirit. Just going to throw that out there. Uh, we, can't build, <laughs> we can't build theologies off of, off of that. Um, and for me to say that, you know that that's true. Um, <laughs> I love building theologies. Um, I want to just give a super short, um, if you want more resources, come to me after service and I can give you more resources. But this is a snapshot of impartation throughout scripture. Okay? So let me read this. This is off my notes. The passage that we read in Acts 4 and earlier in Acts chapter 2 when they first received the baptism of the Holy Spirit are prime examples of tarrying or waiting on the Lord. So there is experience, there is biblical precedent for waiting on the Lord to pour out his spirit. However, the early church held impartation in high regard through the laying on of hands. Um, and it serves multiple purposes and functions. The laying on of hands, impartation. When I say impartation, just think laying on of hands. It's the exact same thing. And it served multiple purposes in the early church. The first purpose that it served um, was that it was used to designate, bless, and install people into specific roles and functions within the local body. You just saw that. When John called us up here and laid hands on us, that was impartation, that was laying on of hands, that was him designating and installing people into service in a specific, specific portion in the body. Um, in Acts chapter 9, verses 17 through 19, Saul, later to become the apostle Paul, is healed and receives the Holy Spirit through Ananias laying hands on him. So he receives healing, but then he also receives the Holy Spirit through Ananias laying hands on him. This means, first off, that it doesn't have to be a hot shot on a stage. It doesn't have to be a bishop or a priest or someone like that. Anyone in this room can do impartation. Anyone on this room can lay hands on people and have them receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that's the first thing. In Romans chapter 1, verse 11, Paul says he wants to come and impart a gift to the church. Um, and I did a little word study on that. And to impart a gift means to share a gift to. So when we think of uh, sharing a gift, it's you're sharing a gift with 
someone. But in the original language, it's literally to share a gift to someone. You are giving someone a gift instead of sharing something with them. He wishes to share a gift to the Roman church. In uh, the letters to Timothy, specifically 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 14, and 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says that Timothy received a gift of the Holy Spirit through the presbytery of the local church laying hands on him and through Paul laying hands on him as well. So when it comes through laying on of hands, there is a lot that you can believe for in that moment. You can believe that you are going to be receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a fresh infilling, a fresh outpouring of the Holy Ghost. You can also believe for specific gifts. I, I, I connect this to the fact that Paul says to earnestly desire the gift of prophecy. He does not say that I'm going to come give you the gift of prophecy. So there's like this tension between waiting and asking for impartation, waiting and asking and saying, Lord, I want to receive this gift. And someone laying hands on you and agreeing with you in prayer through impartation that this is the gift that you will receive. Uh, one of the craziest experiences that I have ever had in my life, it just happened a few months ago. Um, I was praying with someone, I, I taught on impartation very briefly, um, and uh, this young girl came forward and she said, I want to receive impartation. And I was like, okay, cool. What do you want? And she's like, I don't know. Cool. See what the Holy Spirit does. And so I laid hands on her. And as I'm laying hands on her, I get a prophetic word that she's receiving the gift of healing. First time that is, I don't declare you've received a specific gift when I lay hands on this. Boom, you got signs, wonders, and miracles. Like, I'm not, I, I, I just, I don't step into that territory. Um, but laying hands on her, and I received a, a prophetic word, a word of knowledge that she was receiving the gift of healing. She then walks over to another person, lays hands on the person, boom, falls down, stands up, and she had been healed of deafness in that moment, within seconds of each other. Like, I'm, I, that blew my, like, I believe this stuff, and that blew my mind. <laughs> it's just like, wow, okay, cool. Um, I've seen it happen before where people have wanted just a stirring up of a gift that they know they operate in. It's like, I want a stirring up of the gift of prophecy that I carry. Well, then find someone who has the gift of prophecy, ask them to lay hands on you and stir up that gift. Paul says you can stir up the gifts within you. Paul says stir up the gift that is within you that you got through me laying hands on you. I think this is vital for us, and especially for giving you guys some of a framework for what happened last week. It was... You know, if you guys were believing something from the Lord, some of you guys may have received a gift. You guys need to step into faith to push into it. You don't even know what you received until you step into faith. The most powerful encounter I ever had, the most powerful impartation that I ever had from the Lord um, was through the first time um, Dr. Randy Clark laid hands on me. I was in a conference. I went to Raleigh. Um, and I was dry, guys. Like, I was so dry. Like, put a match near me. I would burst into flame. And I called John. I was serving on staff at another church. And I'm not going into details, but all hell broke loose at this church. And I was calling John on a weekly basis, like, help. And so John was giving me counsel and wisdom and, and all sorts of stuff. And I called him one day, and I said, dude, I am burnt crispy. Like, I am deep fried. And he said, well, Randy Clark's going to be in your area soon. Why don't you go to an impartation service? Um, and I said, cool. And so I went and I didn't know what to expect because I had never had like the impartation thing happen to me before. Um, every experience up to that point of receiving baptism of the Holy Spirit or receiving a fresh infilling, all that happened through tearing or waiting on the presence of the Lord. And uh, so 
Randy Clark is teaching on impartation. If you guys have ever been to a Randy Clark event, super theological, super dense. Like, and I, I hope he doesn't watch this at any time, but like, it was probably the most boring session I have ever been to in my life, like trying to keep my eyes open and stay awake. And so he gets through the session of here's how you understand impartation. And then he stands up and he's like, okay, Holy Spirit, come. And it was just like this thick, heavy presence comes into the room. And it's like, oh, well, I've never experienced that before. And um, he, he said to wait until you received, um, like, you knew that the presence of the Spirit was moving on you. And so I stood up and um, made my way to the front. And I want to share it, like, you, I'm sharing this past tense, but in the moment, this was the scariest thing that I have ever experienced in my life, okay? Now I can laugh about it. Um, but I stood up and I made my way towards the front of the altar um, and I waited and um, I began to pray of like, Lord, I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know what you've got for me, but I wanna receive it. And I, I made my intent known of this is what I want. And I knew he was getting closer to me because I was hearing bodies hit the floor as he was making his way towards me. And in my heart, I was like, I'm not falling. I'm not going down. I know I'm not going to go down. And he gets closer to me and I open up my eyes. No one is standing around me, mind you. I'm, I'm off by myself. Standing there holding my hands open like this. And when I open my eyes, my hands are filled with gold dust. And I was like, oh no. Now I've got to explain this. And I was arguing with myself internally of, do I even believe in this stuff? When he got to me, put a finger on my chest, and I woke up 45 minutes later. It was the most powerful encounter with the Lord that I have ever had in my life. And I still think about it. And when I say I woke up 45 minutes later, what I mean was that I was fully cognizant 45 minutes later because what actually happened is when he laid hands on me, I launched forward like this and I couldn't move. I just stared at the ground and I tried to catch my breath. I'm like, <sighs> the second person comes by, lays hands on me. I get even further to the ground. I look around me and apparently people had moved and I'm surrounded by old women. And I'm like, if I fall down... I'm going to kill one of these old women. I don't want this. And so I asked the Holy Spirit, I was like, Lord, just please let me make it back to my chair, please. And so like I T-Rex walked back to my chair. I get to the altar, get to my row of chairs, and then it's just another wave hits, and I'm out. There was a, a lady that was at the church that actually used to, she, go, she used to go here. She had been in the, she had moved to Raleigh for a period of time for, for work. And uh, she came up behind me and laid hands on me and started praying with me. And she was like, you were screaming and crying and shaking and laughing. And like all this was happening at the same time. I don't remember any of it. All I remember is that when I woke up, I was a completely different person. Ever since that time, if you guys know who Dr. Clark is, is he operates primarily in words of knowledge and healing. And when I woke up that morning, when I woke up that evening, actually, when I woke up that evening, there was at least a tenfold increase in words of knowledge and healing in my own life. That's how impartation works. And so when it comes to sustaining and igniting personal revival, 
Find you a person who is on fire for the Lord and tell them that you want everything that they have. Just to point this out, there's an entire room full of those people here. We'll keep on moving forward. Um, how much time do I got? I got like five minutes. Okay. Um, the, the, the final key is the key of stewarding testimony. Um, this one is important. Actually, I want to read this. Mark chapter 5, verse 27. This is the story of the woman with the issue of blood. And I had never seen this before until this week. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. When she had heard about Jesus, she came up behind him and touched his cloak. We talk a lot about testimony um, here at the gate. And I believe that this story helps illustrate part of that reason. Um, this lady heard about Jesus. And in my mind, what I, I think of when I, when I hear that she had heard about Jesus is that she had heard that there was someone who was setting people free, that there was someone who was healing people, and there was someone who was teaching people how to actually get to God. And so this young lady, some scholars believe she was a younger lady, this young lady is, I can just imagine her, her thinking that all hope is lost and her thinking that she is going to deal with this for the rest of her life. But then she hears about this Jesus person and this hunger develops in her, a faith builds in her and she decides that she's going to go after this person. And her faith was to such a level that she didn't even have to meet him face to face. She said, as long as I just touch his cloak, I'll be healed. As long as I just touch his outer garment, I will be healed. Revelation chapter 19 says that the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. And that means two things. One, testimony is prophecy. And two, that testimonies belong to Jesus. Testimony is not yours. Jesus has moved in your life. Jesus has worked in your life. He has set you free. He has healed you. That testimony does not belong to you. It's actually denying God's glory when you don't share it. And that is not a boat that I want to be in. But as we see in the story, the, the, the young lady hears that there's this Jesus person that's on the streets. And she hears, well, if he's healed somebody else, then he can heal me. That's faith. Um, and it's not just related to healing. I, most of the testimonies that we, you know, we share are usually related to healing because that's needed. Some of, so many of us need healing in our lives. But I'm also talking about the testimony of the generals in the faith. I'm talking about the testimonies of outpourings of the Holy Spirit. As I was saying earlier about reading about Brownsville and having an encounter, just holding a book about what the Lord did at Brownsville and there being impartation in that book. The, the story that I hold on to, and I'll be closing with this. The story that I hold on to, I, I, I have it saved on my phone. And I go back and I listen to it all the time. Is the story of, 
of Mother's Day when John Wimber invited Lonnie Frisbee to come speak at the Vineyard Church for the first time. John Wimber had no idea. He had heard stories of who Lonnie Frisbee was. All he knew was that Lonnie Frisbee was a nudist hippie who had encountered the Lord, and there was crazy encounters with the Holy Spirit that were following him. And so John Wimber goes in to church and sees Lonnie Frisbee standing off by the side, and the Holy Spirit drops it in his heart, ask that young man to preach today, to share his testimony. And so John Wimber turns and then sees who the person is, and he's like, oh, no, I don't want this guy with a microphone. And Lonnie Frisbee stands up, and he, he walks up. John Wimber, the story is that John Wimber took extra long. He told the, the worship team to drag out worship for as long as they could. He took an extra long time going through announcements. Like, he wanted to make sure that Lonnie just had a little bit of time to get up on stage just to share his testimony. And so Lonnie Frisbee gets on stage and uh, talks for a few minutes, shares his testimony, and then he closes his Bible and just offhandedly goes, we've been offending the Holy Spirit for a very long time, but it's okay, he's over it. He wants to come tonight. Holy Spirit, come, bam. Whole church gets knocked out. And John Wimber tells the story of like the whole worship team went out first and some young kid pulled a microphone off of a stand and it laid next to his head as he was just like goblin and tongues. And like they had to wade through bodies to get to the stage just to pull the microphone out because that was all anyone in the congregation heard was this young man speaking in tongues over the entire crowd. And he was saying that it was like waves of glory were just exploding in the room, that it was like it hit this row and then the next time it hit this row and then it hit this row and then it hit this row. And it was like an epicenter of the Holy Spirit ignited us. And that was the starting of what we know as the vineyard movement of the signs and wonders movement, of the kingdom movement that we now see, you know, has exploded across the world. I hold on to that testimony because that's what I want to see. And that's what I'm believing for. So let's stand up. I said there were going to be four keys, and I gave you three. And the, the final one is the, the key of continuous outpouring. We talk about continual infilling, continuously being baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I don't think we talk hardly enough about continuous outpouring. The Holy Spirit is in you for service. The baptism of the Holy Spirit, the baptism in power, the entering into authority is for, it serves a specific role, and that is to be a witness to what Jesus has done and who Jesus is. Yeah. And so instead of continuously infilling, Jesus actually says that rivers of living water will flow in you. And I, I just, I get this sense, and I'm not talking about anyone specifically in this room, so please don't get offended at me. But I feel like in the church at large, we have a lot of lakes. We have a lot of just stagnant water because we go from conference to conference to conference to big dog to big dog to big dog to get them to lay hands on us. But then we never turn around and pour that back out into a body that we're plugged into. So everyone in this room is called to be a river of living water. Everyone in this room is called to be continuously outpouring the presence of the Holy Spirit into everyone else around you. 
I've already covered that everyone in this room can do impartation. I've talked about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the purpose. I've talked about the purpose and point of laying on of hands. What I want to do now is just make space for that. So if you would, I want you to close your eyes, bow your heads. I want you to hold your hands out. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. If, if you try to figure out how I'm going to say this, because I feel like we could be here all day. If you need a fresh touch of the Holy Spirit, I want you to raise your hand. That's what I thought. Oh, boy. Okay. There he is. All right. Here's what I want to do. We're going to have to do this super quick, super quick, because it is 12 o'clock. Um, if you raised your hand and you said, I want, a, like, I need a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit, I need a fresh infilling, will you just come and line up right here, please? Just line up on the front. You've been listening to The Gate Charlotte's podcast. Consider subscribing so you don't miss a message. We're sending this to someone who might need encouragement today. Thanks for joining us.